Fundamism Podcast family, and welcome to another episode of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you from the quarantine studio, the Fundamism newsroom, my office. Uh, you know how it is. Uh, we have to rethink. We have to reimagine the way that we do things. So here we are, uh, chilling. Not my preferred style of interaction, uh, i.e. Zoom or via webinar platform, but we work with what we got, people. So you know fundamentalism is all about gravitating towards the things that lift you up as opposed to the things that don't. And one of those things for me, one of my favorite fundamentals is laughter, uh, finding humor in things. And so I am super excited uh, to introduce our next guest because this gentleman literally has me in stitches every time we connect, no pressure. But before I do introduce him, I would like to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle, charliehustle.com. They've been with us from the jump. Uh, they're doing amazing things. Uh, you're looking for masks, you're looking for gators, you're looking for KC heart flags, you're looking for college apparel that fits uh, your lifestyle, your needs, your desires, charliehustle.com, they got you. Without further ado, years ago, I had the opportunity to MC an event at the Consumer Electronics Show uh, through a client named Panasonic. You may have heard of him, NBD. Uh, but they teamed up with a, uh, a huge brand, an amazing brand, that is all about fitness and bringing joy to activity. And that brand was Spartan Race. So they sent all these, uh, these, these professional athletes uh, to kind of coexist in this brand strategy or brand release message. And I got the opportunity to work with several of these athletes, one of which is with us today, founder of Red Path Performance Group, my man, Rob Barger. What's good, Rob? It's all good, brother, man. We've been <laughs> hanging and banging in the concrete jungle going on five years now. We are laying it down. We are setting it up. We are knocking them over. We got goals, brother. We got things we need to do. There's work to be done. And you're it, man. You're the tip of the <laughs> And now you know. The concrete jungle. Now you know what you're getting yourself into. So is it Barger? It's Barger, right? It is. Man, dude, I nailed it. I don't think... Yeah. I, so we were on a first name basis from the jump. I, I don't even think I knew your last name until we connected on the interwebs. <laughs> so this is my first time reciting it out loud. Um, Rob, obviously you're a gentleman that finds uh, solace, that finds strength in laughter. Um, what else do you do for fun? Most of it is working out um, into a couple of different martial arts and uh, spending time with my daughter. Um, pretty much just staying out of the way and making sure that she's developing on her own. She's 100% awesome, like industrial grade awesome. Uh, so just you know, kind of keeping keeping things real. Keep, real. Keeping it tight, keeping it real. Yeah. I, uh... Lots of scrolling, like the, the social <laughs> meteors, the, the feces space. Yeah, just scrolling. Did you say the feces space? <laughs> the feces space. I used to say feces space uh, because uh, a bunch of years ago, there was a Hulu commercial featuring Dennis Leary, and he was talking about your Tweety pages and your facey space. That's right when MySpace was on the out and Facebook was on the way in. So I've been saying facey space for a while, and then... Since probably February or March or so, I've changed that to feces space. What's the significance of those dates? That's when everything started to get real. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a little weird. Super weird. Yeah. So, which, uh, yeah. Which is where individuals like you uh, and some would say I thrive, like in this really weird and awkward space. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's because we are weird and awkward ourselves. But uh, before we kind of talk about how you and your business have uh, transitioned or adapted to this new world that we live in, talk to us a little bit about your fitness journey. I know that fitness means the world to you. You mentioned it in something that you do for fun. I've gotten the opportunity to follow your daughter's journey on the feces space, which is not feces, mind you. She is adorable. Uh, I've seen your jujitsu moves, uh, which hopefully you've seen my most recent fundamental video. Uh, yeah. which is me getting dominated by UFC fighter James Krause. But fitness has always been a staple in your life, something that gave you strength. Where did that come about? How did you find fitness or how did it find you? Uh, well, as a kid, I did a lot of the kid stuff, you know, played little league baseball, little league basketball. And one thing I was incredibly good at was being not good at some of those sports. Uh, 
baseball. I, I was the kid in right field that was like kicking the kicking the rocks and chasing butterflies and stuff. Yeah. Anytime I heard the bat make contact with the ball, I was like, no, no, no. Oh, good. Left field. Sweet. Way to go, man. Good job. Uh, playing basketball and soccer, I was never very good at scoring. So the coach put me on defense because I could get in the way, something fierce. So that was just mediocre. I just, I did some stuff as a kid. And then when I got to college, I just, I started going to the gym as more of like a fitness thing. Uh, start, I did some roller hockey, that sort of stuff. I mean, this is way back in the nineties yes. uh, when roller hockey was a thing. Um, uh, then, side note, uh, just for you fundamental podcast listeners, I'm fairly certain that this was never a thing, but, but whatever Rob's narrative is, we'll go ahead and feed it. So carry <laughs> well, on. It's a, a wonderful little world I live in. <laughs> So um, in college, you know, kind of fell off uh, as far as fitness was concerned. And then probably it didn't really do much as far as fitness was concerned for a couple of years. And then in 2005, I moved from Massachusetts to California and everything was going okay there. About 2006, I was like, you know what? I should probably start, you know, going to the gym. So the shift I was working was like two in the afternoon to 11 o'clock at night. And I only lived a couple miles away from work, so it was real quick uh, transfer, real quick commute. So I get home, you know, eat some dinner, do whatever, and then uh, there was a 24-hour fitness not too far away from where I live. So I started going to the gym at like midnight, 1 a.m., that sort of thing. It's fantastic. Uh, that kind of started it back up for me. Wound up moving from Southern California to Las Vegas in 2007. Yeah, 2007, and. Uh, uh, started going to a different gym, same same chain, different gym, but that gym had a different vibe to it, so I wasn't really feeling it. Found Boot Camp Las Vegas, fantastic place. Yeah, they do good stuff. If you're ever in, in Las Vegas, check them out. Um, well, actually, when we were at CES in 2015, a whole bunch of uh, Boot Camp Las Vegas folks stopped by and helped us. Uh, I remember that. I remember yeah. meeting several of them. Oh, yeah. A uh, bunch of good folks. So that kind of started back up for me going to boot camp Las Vegas. And at one point, one of their coaches said, Hey, we're doing this thing, this relay race thing, and we need a 12th person. Do you want to, you want to go? And I was like, all right, you know, sure. 12 people doing whatever. I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. It's, it's just a relay race. It's fine. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, it's a Ragnar relay. It's a 200 mile relay race. So me and 11 other people did this 200 mile thing. And that was kind of my, my foray back into the fitness world. My first run was 8.6 miles in the Valley of Fire, just outside of Las Vegas. Fantastic scenery. Uh, the, got to the, the exchange point. I handed off the little wristband to the next person. The guy that was the captain of the team was like, you just finished the first leg of the Ragnar Relay. How do you feel? And I just kind of went, man, I am bored. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the distance. It was just the monotony of left foot, yes. right foot, left foot, right foot. So I started looking into some other stuff. I found obstacle course racing. And of course, the two biggest players at the time was Spartan Race and Tough Mudder. And in a very Madonna material girl, I was like, hmm, neither one is in Las Vegas. Which one am I going to pick? So I looked at what you get. Tough Mudder, you get a headband. Spartan, you get a finisher medal. Now, I'm not going to go sporting a finisher medal walking around like that, but I'm not going to wear a headband either. And I like coins. A medal is like a coin. So yeah, I'll go with Spartan Race. And at the first Spartan I did in Temecula, California in like January of 2012, I think it was, I met Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Race, uh, a couple other folks that are still on staff, a couple of people that have since moved on, but that kind of cemented it for me. Didn't do real awesome at that race, learned a lot about preparation and nutrition. And uh, just after I got, you know, after I crawled myself to the finish line, I was like, you know what, this, this is it. This is what I want to do. The distance was about eight and a half miles. So it was the same as what I did with the Ragnar relay, but it was run a little bit, do something, run a little bit, do something. And my, my ADOSS, that's attention deficit. Ooh, something shiny. Uh, <laughs> that kind of, that, that went away a little bit because of the, uh, the intermittent running. So I was okay with that. And I have since learned that running is sometimes a necessary part of the training, but it was really the, the Ragnar relay and the Spartan race that got me back into fitness and then uh, the guy that was two doors away from me at the hotel I was staying at, he was talking to me about this thing called GORUCK. I'm like, all right, I have no idea what that is. Did some looking into it. Wow, it's fantastic. A couple months later, uh, GORUCK had an event in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve. And I thought, what better way to spend New Year's Eve in Las Vegas than face down in a puddle of mud doing push-ups with 15 people I don't know? <laughs> and that's pretty much the starting point. And here we are. journey. 
So I got a million questions, as I'm sure you are well aware. Um, I, so we connect on so many levels, Rob, obviously. Uh, it's, it's why we stayed connected after all these years. And it's been really, really fun to watch you, your growth and, and your family's development and your own personal development, because I know that that means a lot to you, stretching yourself, pushing yourself, going and doing, and that is all, Right. Uh, that you got that Uh, t-shirt oh it's even on the t-shirt um we're going to talk more about that as we progress but so many things resonated to me before we start to unpack uh the running and uh the monotony that you found in that and some of the joy that the obstacles and and the spartan races and the the go rucks brought you let's let's kind of dive into that time where for one reason or the other you got away from fitness you mentioned college and several years after what was going on in your life that kind of pushed you away or uh, didn't allow fitness to be a staple at that moment? It wasn't a priority because, uh, you know, I was in my 20s and I was healthy and I, I, had, a, I had a metabolism like a hummingbird. Uh, so I could eat lasagna all day and gain just a tiny little bit of weight. Sure. It's terrible. So I, because I wasn't having any health issues, I didn't really think about it. Uh, I was I was living just outside of Boston. I didn't have a car. I had a, a mountain bike and I was riding my bike everywhere. So that was kind of my fitness. And then I started, yeah, I got a little bit older, got a different job. And my commute was like an hour in each direction. So the commute kind of cut it down for me, uh, working all day, that sort of stuff. And then it was, Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Hey, we're going to the bar. It's Wednesday night. Let's go drinking. So the socialization aspect of it became a little more important. And it wasn't until thankfully uh, I got away from that uh, that I started to think about fitness as more of a lifestyle than a necessity, like something that you have to do because you, know, you got to go to the gym and burn some calories because you know, some person tells you you have to. It became something I wanted to do, something that I, I realized was a, a hole in my life. I needed to get back to it. Wow. So um, what you described, Rob, uh, not news to you because we stay connected is, is what we in the fundamentalism community call a fundamental, right? Something that yeah. you do that brings you strength, that allows you to, to create a, a brain pattern interrupt and all the, the muck and, and nastiness that is, that, that's going on. And so that void uh, that you needed to fill, it wasn't that, that you needed to be into fitness because you were you know, vain or whatever it may be. It was like, man, I feel like something's missing and I find joy in that. And I admire that a great deal. When you talk about your... Uh, metabolism, it reminds me of Derek from Step Brothers. And, okay. you know, my name is Derek and I could go high like this. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Do you though? What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> do your face. Your face just now. Which reminds me, if you're, uh, if you're ingesting this podcast via iTunes or Spotify or the Fundamental website, we greatly appreciate it. If you want to see Rob in all his glory, we do have the uh, Paul J. Long YouTube channel. All of our episodes are dropped there and available there, so including our fundamental videos. So, all right, so here we are. You've reinvested in fitness. It helps you uh, kind of identify additional ways to get strength in life. Um, you tried the running deal, and I'm so thankful in your honesty and sharing your experience of running, because I know so many runners, like I have so many friends that run for fun. And I never got that concept because running to me is a chore. Like it is monotonous. Like you said, it's left foot, right foot, left foot. It's like NASCAR, right? Left turn, left turn, left turn. That's right. And I know so many people that find joy in it. So, so I never like, poo-poo the idea. It just didn't resonate with me, which is again, go ahead, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, some, some people like running. Some people like skiing. Some people play tennis, golf, baseball, whatever it happens to be. If if it works for you, great. Do more of that. That's right. And that, and that's hopefully what you guys hear us say consistently is, is we're not trying to get you to live our fun. We're trying to help you reveal what yours is. Running for one reason or the other, it, it never really resonated with me. And I think you spoke to the reason why, Rob, what excites me about where you found joy is through this fundamental of a new spin, right? Taking these things that have grown monotonous that are no longer fun and finding a way to inject them uh, with something different, something new that, that energizes them and makes them more fun. And that is the Tough Mudder or the Spartan experience. So for those 
uh, individuals that know nothing about what that is or what these uh, these warrior dashes look like. Uh, I've heard them called that from time to time, but I'm completely ignorant. So I hope that you'll educate us. What exactly do these things entail? Uh, it's mostly just getting outside, being dirty. So running around, climbing over stuff, crawling under stuff, lifting heavy things, uh, the, the typical Spartan obstacles. Uh, like there's there's A-frame cargo nets. So it's you know, a big A-frame and there's cargo net. You got to crawl up one side and crawl down the other side. Uh, there's four foot, five foot, uh, up to eight foot tall walls. You have to climb over just a vertical wall. Um, something called the Herc hoist, which is just a big rope. And on the other side of the, this, there's a pulley. On the other side, there's a sandbag and it's a big weight. So you got to grab the rope and kind of pull it in and the weight goes up and then you release the weight and it goes down. Uh, rope climb, monkey bars, a uh, bunch of different obstacles. Uh, you know, outdoorsy, like kids uh, playground type stuff, but with a, an adult spin to it. It's bigger toys for the bigger kids. Yes. It's uh, it's American Ninja Warrior while running eight miles. Yep. Uh, actually, at one point, Spartan and the producers of American Ninja Warrior tried to get together and do something that people would watch on TV, but it just, it just didn't work. Uh, people, for whatever reason, they don't want to watch obstacle course racing on TV. Now, they'll flip through it real quick, but unless you can get it done in like three or four minutes, like the American Ninja Warrior courses, they're like, nope, don't care. Which is weird because some other stuff, like uh, The Greatest Race and, uh, you know, like Outdoorsy Survivor, that, that sort of yeah. stuff, people will watch that. They will watch human suffering. They just, they just don't want to watch people run through the woods and then jump over some stuff and then crawl under some stuff and carry a bucket full of rocks. It's not interesting. It's not compelling. Unless they can emotionally connect with the greatest MC <laughs> the world has ever known. Rob Barger. Imagine like if you, if everybody got emotionally connected to you and you were incorporating your humor and your storytelling while everybody else was doing the damn thing. I mean, I run. There are some people, uh, Kevin Donahue uh, was one of the people that was doing some voiceover work for Spartan when they were actually doing some broadcasts and they had a couple of different races they would broadcast on NBC. Uh, Kevin lives down in the New York area. He's awesome dude, known him for a little while. Uh, some of the on-course the people that are actually at the races, Rob Liday and uh, former employee T.C. Carson, awesome people. I mean, I've, I've heard T.C. just like the house was coming down. There's nobody in the festival area because it's 40 degrees and raining sideways, but he's got the speakers bumping. He is on the microphone hooting and hollering. He's howling. He's trying to get anybody amped up, and everybody's walking through the festival area just like, oh, God, it's, it's miserable here. I just want to go home. Right. But like they, they've got heart and they've got passion. Man. Well, and that's kind of what connected us, right? So we mentioned CES. Yep. Uh, I got the opportunity to MC you guys actually running this little makeshift Spartan course, right? Little that swimmy, they, little monkey bar. Yeah, little oh, yeah. yeah. So here I am in my Panasonic uh, fit uh, with black uh, khaki pants that they made us wear and dress shoes. Um, and uh, I had a, I, I created a bow tie because, uh, you know, we do that. We have to do the bow tie thing. And I was so like, I love fitness so much. I'm so enamored by um, just pushing the limits of what we as humans can do. I was watching what you guys were doing and I was like, I don't just want to MC what they're doing. I want to figure out how to do what they're doing. And the first test, if you recall, you guys had those big old Atlas balls. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to, hey, my buddy wants to say what's good. What's good, Max? Hey, buddy. <laughs> Um, I got a cat around here somewhere, but he's no, he's probably sleeping somewhere. That's true. That's what cats do. Uh, yeah, un unless you need to go somewhere fast, and then he's right in your feet. That's right. <laughs> so these Atlas balls, you guys are picking them up with ease. And I'm like, I feel like I want to try that. And what ultimately ends up happening is you and I are just doing one-liners for movies and cracking jokes. And then you start challenging me to things. You're like, you, you start doing one-arm push-ups. I've never done one-arm push-ups. So I'm like, well, teach me how to do that. So I start doing that. Then it got to a point where the whole show culminated with, I think, you uh, or one of your peers emceeing me going through the Spartan race uh, as, the, uh, as the racer instead of the MC. And Yep, in, in your full gear, too. I mean, the only thing you took off was the headset mic. So, you know, you didn't want to electrocute yourself or short yeah, out the merchandise. I took that off too. <laughs> so um, you, you went right in there. It was well, awesome. It was a great time. Like it was a memorable moment. Um, as you could obviously tell, it's 
it's something that that has stuck with me throughout these years. And you, I mean, you sent me that video, Rob. I don't know if you recall, just like six months ago. You like, do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, so, it's saved on my computer machine. It's my computer machine. But like, those are the types of those connections. Like, whether it's fitness or humor uh, or, or uh, music, whatever it is, these are the types of connections that can truly bring people together if you show a genuine interest in others. And so. That has allowed me uh, to really be genuinely interested in you and what you do. So um, some time ago, you, you, you ceased to work at, uh, I don't know if it's Spartan Race or the Spartan uh, Company, whatever they're called, and you started your own deal. So walk us through the process of like that oh shit moment where you're like, like I can do this. I, I want to start something. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. What was that process like for you? Uh, well, Red Path uh, as a, uh, a philosophy started in uh, way back in 1998. Uh, I was in a little bar in Alston, Massachusetts called the Kinvara. It was a Saturday drinking some beer with some friends, just hanging out. Uh, they had rugby up on the TV. And uh, you know, at the time I was working at Guitar Center and a friend of mine was a DJ and I thought, yeah, maybe I'll be a DJ. I need myself a cool DJ name. But I didn't want to be like MC such and such or DJ such and such. I just wanted to have a name. Yes. So as I'm, sta- as I'm standing there, I'm just dr- drinking my beer. You know, I'm kind of glancing over once in a while at the rugby game that's going on. And after a nasty hit, a whole bunch of people go piled up. The camera's zooming out. And this dude stands up and he's got blood dripping down his face. But the look in his eyes is just like, I do this all day. It's just like he was a boss. Like, he just owned that, that particular moment. Like, whatever. What's next? Let's go. And his name flashes across the bottom of the screen, and it's Brian Redpath. And I was like, ooh, Redpath. Strong <laughs> name. I like that. So I'll just, if I'm a DJ, I'm just going to be Redpath. Yeah. So the hopes of being a DJ kind of fizzled out, went away. But the name, the word Redpath, stuck with me. And then eventually it kind of started that somehow the connections were made, you know, the, the universe lined things up. And uh, the Isaac Newton quote is if I have seen further than others, it's because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. Redpath became. The road to success is stained with the blood of those who have failed. So as you're, you're going down the road, you see a left and there's a puddle of blood. Ooh, careful. Something bad happened there. Let's, let's try this way instead. You know, same thing. You, you go left, right. And if there's a little puddle of blood, like eh, something bad here, let's try to do something different. Even if those puddles of blood, those metaphorical puddles, of course, even if it's your own, because one way I learn things is by doing them wrong a lot. For sure. So like, Endurance events, uh, and I've been doing jujitsu since December. Uh, how do I learn? By doing things wrong. All of a sudden, there's like, ah, you got me. Right. So that's that philosophy just stuck with me. So Red Path became this like life mantra, if you will. And then with uh, Boot Camp Las Vegas, I was thinking about, you know, I, need, I want to be a trainer. I want to train people to do this stuff. You know, I did the, the Spartan race. I did the Go Ruck events. I uh, did 2013. I did Spartan's death race. Like, I want to train people to like, be physically and mentally prepared for this stuff. Because there's a difference between going to the gym and just working out. You have no plan in mind. You're like, oh, I'm going to hit this thing, I hit that thing. I'm, you know, today's a back and lats day. I'm just going to get super huge in this one particular muscle. And, you know, Thursday is leg day, whatever it happens to be. There might not be a plan, which is great. If you're just going to the gym, still a plus one. But I wanted to try to get people ready physically and uh, emotionally, if at all possible, for some of these events. And things like go ruck events, things like Spartan endurance events, um, things like the, the death race, that sort of thing. Uh, it takes more than just going to the gym. You need to have a plan and you need to be able to, to uh, assess and figure out on the fly if things are going right. And if not, how do you change it? How do you make it better? So that's kind of how I got into it. And somewhere in the neighborhood of well, 2013, I moved back to Massachusetts. It was 2017. I was in Iceland for Spartan race. And I was like, you know what? I've been thinking about this whole red path thing for entirely too long. So I hop on my laptop in Reykjavik, Iceland to file paperwork with the Massachusetts department of something or other to get a business license for red path performance group. And that whole RPG thing has a whole different story behind it. Uh, you know, acronyms and, and uh, silhouettes and everything. But I was in Iceland working for Spartan. I was like, you know what? I'm, I want to train people for these events. So, so why not? Let's, let's start doing it. So it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to take over anything that Spartan was doing. Uh, my initial plan was to get people ready for those types of events. So the first eight people that signed up with me, 
seven of them were training for Spartan events, whether it was an Ultra Beast or a Hurricane Heat, one of those two. The eighth person that signed up with me was a Spartan employee. So like, I actually had a meeting with Joe DeSena one day. He's like, yeah, you know what this red path thing that you're doing, you know, you got to talk to human resources, make sure it's not a conflict of interest. And when I told them like, no, I'm training people for Spartans events. They're like, oh, okay. You're, you're not taking business from us. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to set up an obstacle course company. It's, it's got very little to do with that. I might teach people how to do the obstacles, but most of it is just how to train for it or how to prepare for it. What type of gear to use their, their shoes, their pants, their shirt, just everything about it, full, full, uh, full package, full service. <laughs> and then I started picking other things up. Uh, the reason why it's Red Path Performance Group and not just Red Path Fitness was because uh, I wanted to have some people that are uh, physiotherapists, physical therapists, uh, yoga instructors, a couple of people I know are firearms instructors. Uh, a couple of times now I brought this guy, Ed Calderon, up from uh, San Diego area, and he runs an Instagram page called Ed's Manifesto. He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast three times. He went from, like, when I first met him, he had 50,000 Instagram followers. Now he's up to, like, a quarter of a million because I'm you know, just rolling it over. For but sure. he does counter custody and improvised weapons, which isn't training for an event at all. It's like how to escape zip ties and handcuffs and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's just whatever people want to do, I'm all for it. Education on every level. Wow. Well, obviously, based on your synopsis of the journey, it sounds like it's it's ever evolving, right? And uh, yep. you found things that people have wanted to do or wanted to try or whatever. It may be that you maybe had to facilitate a connection or bring somebody into the group to figure out how to close that gap and enhance the skill set of whoever was trying to grow in that particular area. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the, the, the thing about uh, no, none of us is smarter than all of us, that sort of thing. Yes. If, if I'm not the guy that has the answer, I'm going to help you try to find the person that has the answer. Right. And so many people struggle with that, Rob, and I'm certain that you've connected with many of them. And I know many of you listening today have struggled with this yourself or know of individuals that allow ego to get in the way of our desired outcomes, right? Yep. And so like thinking that you have all the answers or being afraid to address the fact that you don't know everything uh, can be a significant limiter in identifying what fulfills you uh, or what gives you strength. So uh, I admire you taking the leap and surrounding yourself with individuals smarter than you in the areas in which you're not as educated as your strongest attributes. Um, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned a little bit about this journey has been ever evolving. You were in Iceland and, and, uh, and you, you, you decided that you were going to, you know, go to Massachusetts online and figure it out. And you stressed yourself like that was a, I'm certain that there was a moment where you weren't comfortable, uh, in that space. Is that fair to say? Like yeah, for several it, years leading know? up to that point, it was, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. This, wouldn't it be great if, oh, if I could only just do that, if I could just, what do you mean? If you could just, just <laughs> How about you just do it? You just stop talking about it and do it. Yeah. Uh, a friend, friend of mine, I actually have some Red Path shirts written up with this, this uh, expression on it. Uh, a friend of mine in the Boston area, Frank Pino, his dad, blue collar working man, but he had like, you know, he ran businesses. He, he wasn't just a guy that was doing the work himself. He was running some of these construction companies, but he was a very down to earth guy. And he would tell Frank and his brother, David, a couple, you know, a couple of tidbits of dad wisdom. He's like, Frankie, as you're growing up, you're going to meet two types of people. There's the people that'll talk about doing stuff. Yes. And then there's the people that are doing stuff. The only way to do things is to do things. <laughs> Brilliant. Why is it so simple? Why do people make it so complicated? So what's the answer? Why? Like, in, so, I, so what a magical way to get to your tagline, right? Go do that. that that's it, right? Essentially. So... But we allow so much, Rob, to get in our way. You did it for years. Yep. Why are we that way? And how do we move past those obstacles? We're afraid of doing things wrong. Okay. We want to, if we want to do it one time, we want to do it the right way. We want to be the best way. We don't want to look back on it and be like, wow, I really wish I didn't do that. Or I really wish I did this differently, whatever it happens to be. Uh, same thing with, uh, with some martial arts. So I moved to Southern California. I kept thinking, I should really do something but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do because I was afraid that I would pick something and then find out at some later date that's not exactly what I want to do, but I'm already invested in it. 
but I can't change my mind now because that, that would be bad. I've, I've committed to this. I need, I need to commit to it. No, you, you, can, you can try it out. If you don't like it, change it. it it's fine. Nobody's going to care. I mean, people are going to care. But it's, if you've got people that are making fun of you for trying new things, you don't need that sort of toxic stuff in your life. 100%. And it's interesting that you say that because I got, I got the opportunity to do one of my first live events today. Like, so probably not news to you uh, that in my industry, probably as well as yours, I know for a significant period of time that, uh, you know, COVID and, and, and group training and all that stuff and live events was just ravaged. Like, so uh, I remember when COVID first started, like, I mean, it wasn't a day that went by that I didn't have one to two events that were canceling. And every single day it was like, it was more and more and more. Uh, just punching you in the gut day after day. Yeah. But it was, you know, what's interesting about that is I was like, I, I was never like, oh shit. Like it, it, it's weird because I am wired to, to worry. Like I am wired in my DNA and in our family's history, anxiety, depression, fear, all that stuff. It, it, it does grapple. It, it grasps us. Right. But I don't know if I found so much passion and joy in what I do and that I knew so much that what I do, and I'm going to remove myself now, Rob, and I'm going to say you, what we do adds so much value and people need it so much that right now, everybody's struggling with mental health, right? Whether it's being quarantined for a long time or whether it's trying to manage a virtual school uh, and learning experience for your children or, you know, your, your, your mother or grandparents, they, they've, they've got something, they've got the COVID or they're in a nursing home or whatever. And you're concerned about that or revenues have been lost or you're unemployed. Like, like the mental health tail on this thing is going to be long. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's people like you, Rob, that are going to thrive because individuals need folks like you to say, you say, go do that is all, but I don't know how to do that. So if you, if you were coaching me and I'm struggling, I'm in this cycle of, of negativity and challenge and anxiety and all that stuff. What, what is the first piece of advice? What would you tell me to do to kind of help push through those barriers that mind you, we both know, and you said it, we're creating for ourselves. It uh, kind of depends. Uh, there's a couple different tactics, one of which is to try to get you to realize that everything that you're doing, obviously it isn't working if it's not resulting in what you want. If it's not getting you closer to your goal, then it's not the right tactic. Not to say that it's wrong or bad, it's just not the best choice. Uh, as I like to say, you make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time. Mm. So your goals might change. So another, to- another tactic is to, instead of having this this big thing, the idea about how do you eat an elephant with barbecue sauce, of course, um, <laughs> one bite at a time. So instead of having a big goal, you just you create some little goals that point you in what is currently the direction of your goal. Because like I said, that, that goal might change. So if you have little, if you have micro goals, like a tugboat trying to steer a, a larger boat, it's not just going to suddenly change direction. Little nudge, little nudge, little nudge. You're making uh, incremental progress. And even... 0.01% is more than 0%. So it might not be leaps and bounds that you're making. Like in, in the fitness world, people want to lose weight. First two weeks, you're going to lose a whole bunch of weight because you're working out or you're eating better. And it, this, you know, it compounds uh, some benefits to you, but it's also a lot of water weight and a lot of stuff that you, you probably didn't need just sitting around in your body clogging things up. So the first couple of weeks, you're going to feel great. You're going to get on the scale if that's an important number to you. And you're going to see that the number is lower. Cool. And then third week, fourth week, fifth week, the losses aren't quite as much. So you start to think, well, this isn't working because I lost a whole bunch of weight right off the bat. And now I'm only losing a pound a week. But if you're losing a pound a week, you're still losing a pound a week. And it's just, it, you shouldn't be losing five, 10 pounds a week. That's unhealthy. You're, you're going to hurt yourself. For sure. Oh, man. I could, gosh, everything that you say reminds me of something like you were talking about the point zero zero one is better than zero zero zero. You remember the show Flight of the Concords on HBO? Uh, I, I watched a couple of episodes, but yeah, uh, I, I specifically recall the, the, the Tomatoa song from, from uh, Moana. Yeah. From, uh, okay. 
Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, those guys are awesome. So I never got into the show, but my wife, uh, when we first started dating, she loved the show and they were talking about their sexual conquests in the show. And, and I think it was Jermaine that says two minutes in heaven is better than one minute in heaven. <laughs> so to your point about uh, identifying growth and latching on to things that are helping move you forward is imperative in actually helping you move forward. Maybe it's not uh, at the pace or the rate that you expect. Maybe it's not uh, getting your desire outcome the moment that you want it. But so we're, we're Amazon Prime. We want we want results instantly. Yes, and now more than ever. But you know this, especially when it comes to your body, with your own personal development, with mindset shifting, because everything that we're dealing with now has nothing to do with now and everything to do with the events and the time and experiences that have led us up to now, right? Like yeah. this, this, this pandemic, we're all dealing with it a certain way. But the way that we're dealing with it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has to, it has to do with the way that we programmed ourselves and how we are programmed leading up to this point. So as I'm listening to you, uh, I'm thinking about this, this fundamental stretch yourself, right? Setting goals, getting out of your head, go do, right? That is all. Yep. So I rarely ever do this, Rob. Uh, hopefully you'll indulge uh, with me in a little fun. Um, Last week, so if you're in, if you're ingesting this podcast this week, last week's featured fundamental was stretch yourself. It is the video in which James Krause uh, from the UFC took me down. We did a little jujitsu. Well, he do jujitsu. I did not rob. Uh, I, I was the guy that basically got pummeled. Um, but I stretched myself, right? Like I, I tried something new. So as you guys are listening, uh, we want you to take something away from these episodes. We don't just want you to to have fun in the interaction like I do and like Rob does. But we want you to think about what are challenges, what are roadblocks, what are things that you want to accomplish in life uh, that you aren't necessarily getting because things are perceived to be in your way. So my ask of you, if you if you have a notepad or a pen or you just want to reflect on yourself or you, you have your little, your notes uh, on your phone, jot down a few things that are, that you're currently hesitant to try. Like you've been thinking about them. Like Rob said, for years, I thought about this red path performance, but for some reason or the other, like it just didn't happen. So what are a few things currently that you've been hesitant or uncomfortable to try? Once you get that list down, I, I just want you to j just, let's, let's set the bar low. Let's say two to three things that you've been hesitant to try or uncomfortable in doing. And they don't have to be huge things. You don't have to try to cure global things. It could be something as simple as I want to clean my basement. I want to clean my basement. Perfect example. I want to, I want to try to make a meal for my wife because she does it all the time. And maybe it'd be cool if she didn't have to for once. I love it. Small. What are the things? So then after you have your two to three items that you've been hesitant to try, what is the mental block that's been keeping you from trying them? I think it's important that you reflect. Like what specifically is it that's holding you back? Is it fear? Like, like you said, Rob, uh, fear of failure. Is it time? Is it the fact that you just haven't made it a priority? It's not that important to you to try it. What are the things that are holding you back from doing them? But the opposite end of that are, what are the great things that could happen as a result of you trying these items? Like, let me give you an example. Uh, Rob said, clean in the basement. Uh, I said, making a meal for my spouse. Um, I'll tell you what, Rob, uh, I never, I never clean um, to the extent that I should around my house. Like I pick up after myself generally, but I mean, I'm not the guy that's going to go down and vacuum the basement or dust the house or uh, whatever it may be. Even though my wife can't reach the ceiling fan, I'm not up there dusting it for her, right? So what's keeping me? Why I've been hesitant to do these things. Why? Because I just don't want to do them. Like it's not something that gives me strength. I don't want to clean because I feel like it's just, it's a tedious and monotonous task that isn't fun. It's not fundamental. So I've identified what's holding me back. However, what's the great thing that could happen if I did it? 
man, dude, Rob, if I clean the house, if I went and cleaned the basement, if I told my wife, Melissa, that I dusted the ceiling fans for her, or that I vacuumed uh, the living room, do you understand the shift that would take place? If not, but only for five minutes in my wife's mindset, but we would have a preach 100%, dude. Like just that feeling of, of what could potentially happen if I move past these roadblocks and just do what I've been hesitant to do could really bring you additional joy, fun, and fulfillment in life. So in closing, what is something that you could do right now? Like you end this podcast or you even pause this podcast. What is something you could do right now to stretch yourself and move forward with some of the items that you've listed? So Rob, to make this as personal as possible, what's something that you've been thinking about doing but have been hesitant to try? Well, other than actually cleaning the basements. <laughs> oh, that, uh, oh, that was personal. Yeah. It's me right in the feels. Uh, no, there's, there's the fear of doing things wrong or, or being bad at things. And I think a lot of people need to get, kind of get over that. Like for years, I've been like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to learn Spanish. But you know, I'll, I'll pick up, a, it's like some sort of like kids level version of how to speak Spanish with like present tense, easy verbs and that sort of thing. Or I, I got Rosetta Stone or I've got Duolingo or something like that. But then uh, I got a friend of mine who's from Mexico City and I don't even try to speak Spanish to him because I'm afraid I'm going to sound like an idiot. Right. You know, because he's from Mexico City. He, he speaks fluent Spanish. And I'm just like, uh, yo soy um, uh, cansado. No, is it, is it soy or is it estoy? Is it the wrong type of, ver- you know, I'm worried about the words. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, I'm afraid of doing things wrong. So just being a little more apt to, to be wrong. Yes. So, yeah. Cleaning the basements. Yeah, that's a, that's a start. <laughs> In general, I, I need to put a little more uh, more effort into running my business. Uh, it's not going to improve if I don't improve it. I'm, I'm the guy. It's it's me. So like when I when I get emails from people about I want to help you with your staffing, like dude, I'm I'm the staff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, also realizing that. We don't have to do things alone. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time in that mindset of if this is something I want to do, then I need to do it. And it's up to me to do it. And you know, it's, what's the shame in asking for help? If you can't do something, okay, try to figure out a way to get some help to at least get closer to doing it. And not necessarily asking somebody to do it for you, but just getting closer to your goal. My guy, dude, like that is just that alone. And, and so just to recap, the two to three things that you've been hesitant to try or feel uncomfortable doing. What is it that's been holding you back and what greatness could come if you move past those challenges and just do it. And then lastly, what's the one thing that you could do today to move you forward and trying some of these things you just mentioned, like you don't have to do these things on your own, Rob. Like I got a close personal buddy uh, that's been chewing like, and I noticed that he's chewing a lot lately. And I, I just don't like, Cancer is is pretty significant in the life of uh, many of my friends and family, and uh, I'm very passionate about the research. And coincidentally, this gentleman uh, had somebody very close to him taken uh, by cancer, and so it just it's unfathomable to me that people choose to do these things that they know could bring them bodily harm. And so I, I give him grief, and I'm like, dude, like, what, what's the deal with the chaw? And he's like, it's my one vice, man. It's been a stressful situation. So about 30 minutes pass and he goes, man, to be honest, I've been trying to quit. And uh, I would really greatly appreciate you to send me a text message every single week, just checking in and saying, where are you at on this goal? And so to your point about not having to do it alone, maybe what's holding you back is holding yourself accountable. And the answer to that is, leverage the help of somebody else. Like you're not in it alone. It doesn't have to be somebody that you're super close with. It, it could be a, a peer at work. It could be a, a friend or a family member, whoever it may be. Rob, that was immensely valuable. I greatly appreciate it. Let's, well, to, to your friend's point about you know, him having you check in with him, uh, seeking help from other people doesn't necessarily have to be, hey man, can you show me how to do this or help me figure out how to do this? It could be something as simple, simple as that is, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. I need to figure out some benchmarks and I want you to hold me accountable to uh, these benchmark metrics, like specific dates, specific times, specific achievements. If you want to get from point A to point L, 
whatever. You need somebody to, to kind of guide you along the way, like just every once in a while, checking in, like, how you doing? Hey, you said by this date on this time, you, you would do this thing. Have, how close are you? Have you done it yet? Because if there's no jeopardy, there's no fear of failure, then it's just kind of like, eh, I'll do it later. Netflix is on. Yeah, that's right. So what you're saying is a coach could add value in life. Is that accurate? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Uh, into Red Path Performance Group. Um, so, as we but even coaches need coaches. It's amazing. That is, that is true, right? And so that kind of that kind of takes us down uh, one of the last paths I want to go to. And uh, my cat is going nuts. Do you hear this guy? I'm a cat person. That's yeah, I know. What do you think of dog people? Be honest, I, be candid. I think dog people are fine. I think other people's dogs are fine in general. I'm just, I'm not a dog person. I've, I've had dogs. So I personally haven't had dogs, but when I was growing up, my parents had a, a couple of dogs as we were, as we were growing up. It's, it's fine. It's just, uh, it's like fizzy bubbly. It's, it's not for me. <laughs> Did you pick up your dog's poop when it pooped in somebody else's yard? Be honest. Uh, well, when I, when I was growing up, the, the little house that uh, I lived in, in a little, little speck of a town called Ocean Gate, New Jersey, the backyard was fenced in and uh, my mom had a Lhasa Apso, kind of a dog that you dump in a bucket and wash your car with. So the backyard was it's a tiny little backyard. There was a pool in the backyard. Everything else was cement. So the dog, basically my mom would open the back door. The dog would go out in the yard and you know, poop somewhere on the cement. And then you know, we'd go out there like the garden hose and just kind of spray it off to one corner of the yard. And that was, that was the poop corner. <laughs> But that's, a, that's another awesome thing about cats. Is, well, I, I used it too, periodically. Uh, that's the awesome thing about cats is you show them where the litter box is. And you're like, all right, see you later. That's, that's where you poop. Yeah, I'll scoop the stuff out of there. So just keep it in the box. But that's the thing. Like you have to actually scoop it out of there. <laughs> yeah, very important. Otherwise they poop in the tub. <laughs> or at least my cat did. Uh, just to be clear, I love dogs. I don't love the responsibility associated with dogs. Like I don't want to... I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night, take a dog out to the bathroom. I don't want to have to pick up poop in the yard. I travel a lot for work. So I love the beauty. All my dog lovers, I love the beauty of a dog and the cuddly yeah. nature of them. They're just not for me, right? No, I, I know a couple of people that have dogs and they're they're huge fans of dogs. They're, their dog is more than a pet. It's a friend or a family member. For sure, 100%. Well, that kind of takes me to our relationship. And because uh, you're family now, brother, uh, you're fun to some family. Look at that. Uh, I got the book around here somewhere. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's around here somewhere. Dude, you're a G. I mean, like you, since I started, and it always hasn't been easy sailing, as you know, as a business owner, like you've just been so supportive in uh, either trying to connect me to, hey, do you know this individual? Or just like reinforcing that I'm on the right track. And you never know like what somebody's going through. And so taking the time to express some appreciation and say, dude, like you got this or you're doing a great job or I love your energy and I feel like it would really relate heavily or resonate with this person. It means a lot to me. And so I thank you for that, first of all. The second aspect of that is one of the reasons why it comes so naturally in our relationship is because we have this love for uh, lightheartedness and not taking ourselves so seriously. Oh yeah. And I, I recall, um, and you started it, like you started the whole podcast magnificently with your <laughs> references to WWF back in the day and, and, and the concrete jungle. I, dude, I love it so much. So I got this amazing new social media graphic artist uh, and she has the ability to kind of take these movie posters uh, from years past and, uh, and, and make them into a fundamism gift to the world. So Sweet. Uh, knowing that you're big in one-liners and uh, humor resonates greatly with you, what are some like movies, shows, music? What are some of these things that have resonated with you throughout the years? Like dating as far back as you could remember, like what are some of the movies that you grew up on that you just really appreciated or could always generate a laugh? Uh, well, me and my cousins, um, at one point, my mom had a job in a uh, town hall in Tom's River, New Jersey, and the, the library was right across the street. And they, they had uh, a passageway like elevated above the street. So you didn't even have to go outside. You know, mom would 
like, hey, yeah, you little dumbass. Well, I'm going to work. You do whatever you need to do. So we go over to the library, and this was in the 80s. Uh, they had VHSs. So, I mean, there was like Blockbuster and the VHS rental places, but the public library had VHS tapes. And if it was in stock, you could get the tape and you could go into one of their viewing rooms and you could watch the movie. So instead of having daycare, me and my cousin would go over to the library and we would pick up Time Bandits. And we must have watched that movie a hundred times. <laughs> Amazing. So just like stuff like that. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. Me and my brother and my cousin would annoy the crap out of my mom because we're just slinging Monty Python back and forth at each other. Uh, Monty Python, the meaning of life, you know, that sort of thing. You know, better, better get a bucket. It's all sorts of Mr. Creosote jokes of morning, morning, morning. And the fish was, it was fantastic. <laughs> you mentioned earlier uh, something about the universe, like the universe opened up for you is what you said and kind of revealed the opportunity that you had. So I, I mentioned uh, shortly thereafter that I got the opportunity to do a live gig um, at a at a an engineering firm, and one of the questions uh, I got the opportunity to kind of mask. We were all wearing masks, and I, I got the opportunity to kind of connect with some of the audience members. And like, I get really tired of the same old questions, like "Hey, how's it going today?" and all that stuff. As many of you guys know, and and, and Rob, you're well aware. So I asked this young lady. I said, "What like what's your entrance music?" Like, what would your walk-up music be yes. to, to, you know, whatever it is you're, you're trying to do? And uh, without blinking and without any hesitation, she said, it'd be Under Pressure. It'd be Under Pressure by Queen. And I was like, wow, dude, the universe is undefeated in that um, there are so many connection points if you're present and if you're deliberate in seeing them, it makes me wonder like how often are these signs happening in life? They're happening all around us. Exactly. But we're not seeing them. Right. So Rob, I connect with this one lady. I ask the singular question and she says under pressure in my presentation, one of the first things that I do, depending on the group that I'm talking to is, you know, back in the day with uh, live aid, Freddie Mercury and, and queen got up and they, 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 they did a whole concert, right? Or, or their at least their bit. And Freddie Mercury does this little bit where he's like, hey, yo. And he oh, does the, like the a, whole crowd. Yeah, yeah. So I do that. That's one of the first things that I do. And, and what's cool about the exercise is the reason why people uh, instinctively just do it back is because I don't give them time to think about it. Like zero context. I just do it, right? And then as yep. a result, they just do it. Go do. That is all, right? <laughs> so... Um, but, but when this creeps in, man, everything goes to shit. <laughs> when you start thinking and analyzing, all of a sudden we make things complicated. So, so the, this person that I connect with, I ask her that singular question. She says that I know that I'm already going to incorporate that. Well, I have a second queen reference and it's when we get to the, um, it's, it's when we get to what differentiates you from everybody else or the F in fun, the foundation. And I play a clip from Radio Gaga that many of you guys know that resonates with me. Uh, so don't become some background noise, a backdrop for other girls and boys who just don't know, who just don't care, and just complain when you're not there. And so I'm meeting this lady and she's telling me that that's her walkout song or that's her, her walk-up song. And I'm like, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds that of all the artists, of all the music, this is who she chooses and this is what I already have built into my presentation. So I have two questions for you. One, what's your take on the universe and signs? And two, what's your walk-up music? Okay. Uh, well, the, the second question I, I've had for years. Um, the, my take on the universe, uh, well, specifically, uh, I started getting into a lot of Rick and Morty. Yes! <laughs> Rick and Morty and philosophy. Yes! Uh, oh, by the way, I, I started reading this book, uh, The Science of Rick and Morty, and I posted something about it on Instagram. And uh, a person that I met, uh, Randy Ramcharan, I met him in Austin, Texas a couple years ago. He's like, dude, uh, Matt Brady is my uncle. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so read a lot of that. Um, your brain is a time machine. Yes. The, the neurophysics, uh, yeah, the neuroscience of physics and time. So lots of that sort of stuff, lots of multiverse sort of things. So I, I believe I'm not wholeheartedly in something like the secrets, where if you have your, your dream board, if you just put stuff up on a board 
and look at it every day, then it's going to come to you. The big houses and the shiny sports cars. Number one, you don't need that shit. Yes. Um, I mean, if, if it works for you, that's great. If you're one of those people that has a hundred sports cars and so many different colors and, and the shoes to match, great. Good on you. Keep doing it. <laughs> um, but I believe that it, it's out there. And if you open yourself up to the idea that things are possible, if you put in the, the correct effort at the correct time, uh, just kind of taking a fundamental from jujitsu. If you do the right thing at the right time, it's going to work. Yeah. If you try to force something and it's not time to do that thing, then it's not going to work or it's going to work badly. Sure. So you just, you got to be open to the idea that maybe what you're trying to do right now, not necessarily wrong. It's just not the correct time for it. So you need to figure out, okay, maybe I, I do this thing over here and then I'll kind of come back to it. So constant reevaluation of the, the life plan and just being open to the idea that your plan today might not be your plan tomorrow. I mean, uh, earlier today I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, I saw this thing going around on social media. It was this thing that said, you know, five years ago, nobody answered the question of what's your five-year plan with, oh, I'm going to be homeschooling my kid in a global pandemic. <laughs> Probably not too many people answered that question. Right. So I'm, I'm a big fan of just, you throw it out there, see what the universe has to offer and accept all the good stuff. Well, well Kevin Neal, happy Gilmore, you, you harness the good. Block out the bed, feel the flow. Everything's circular. See, the merry-go-round goes around and up and down. Right? Doing the bull dance, feel the flow. Yeah. Damn it, happy, riding the bull. So, side note, uh, when I was living in Las Vegas, I was at uh, Red Square inside the Mandalay Bay, a little restaurant. I was with my wife, I was with my brother and his wife who were visiting at the time. We're sitting there, and uh, one of my wife's favorite movies is Rocky. So we're just sitting there, all of a sudden she goes, and my brother's like, what's up? That guy looks like Apollo Creed. No, my brother nonchalantly looks over his shoulder. That's because that is Apollo Creed. <laughs> and boom, Carl Weathers is just standing there. Yes. So that sort of stuff. R.I.P. He passed away. But, right? uh, I kind of hope not. Oh, really? Man, All I, I wanted to do was stand up and look at him and go, hey, Chubbs, you got your hand back. But, <laughs> He looked like he was with a couple of friends and I didn't want to be that guy. So it was like, hey, what's up, buddy? A little, little nod from across the room. Like, hey, I, I recognize you. You, We made eye contact. I'm not going to make it awkward. You're cool. And have fun. So, uh, But as far as the walkout music. Yes, give it to me. Soul Finger. Specifically from the Blues Brothers. Really? Yep. With the, the high horns and everything. Yes. Dude. 100%. Uh, so it's so funny. One of the guitar parts of Back in Black. Awesome. Awesome choice. But what I love about what you said is like, I love these obscure instruments when they're in like the horn. Like I love the horn. Taylor Swift has a song out on her lover album. I think it's called false God. And I don't care how you feel about Taylor Swift. I think she's a musical genius. Um, but she has these like really subtle horns in the background. And I think I could say that I don't know that I would appreciate the song if the horns weren't in there. And they're just, they're just back there chilling, but oh my gosh, dude, they're so amazing. And it resonates so much. So Rob, thank you, dude. Like it means a lot that you would take time out of your busy day to do this, to drop some knowledge, to be a little vulnerable, uh, to potentially share some wisdom. We greatly appreciate, uh, you being on the fundamentalism podcast. If somebody wants to learn more about you, where do we go? Well, I've got, uh, got a website. I don't really do a lot of work on the website because I'm not a web designer. So, I mean, it's a functioning website, but barely. Uh, so that's just redpathperformancegroup.com. But uh, mostly uh, accessible on the, uh, well, we'll go back to Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just Red Path Performance Group on Facebook or Red Path Performance Group on Instagram. Beautiful. And we'll, of course, put all that stuff in the show notes. So, Rob, we greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing a little fun with us, uh, specifically your fun and how you create fun in the lives of others. To the Fundamism Podcast listeners, we greatly appreciate you. We would not be whatever the hell we are without you. And so our takeaways today, of course, uh, like Rob said, in that moment where uh, he had that epiphany moment where he'd been thinking about doing something for some time, but it was time for him to do it. Uh, go do. That is all. So what is it that, that's been holding you back? What two to three things would you like to do that you've been hesitant in trying? What is it that's been holding you back? And what greatness could happen if indeed you did them? Lastly, what is the one thing that you could do today right now that will help move you forward in going and accomplishing some of these things? 
From the bottom of my heart, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. Go out and have some fun today. Create some fun in the lives of others. And until I catch you on the flip side, deuces.